Homesteads and Homeschools as part of the Liberty Hippie Podcast Network. If you like what we do, be sure to check out This Week in Liberpods, Peace Freaks, Cannabis Heals Me, and Free Markets Green Earth. We're living proof that libertarian doesn't mean washed up Republican. Crack-a-lackin' out there, my people. All my homesteading and homeschooling uh, folks listening in, welcome back. Welcome back. I hope you are doing well. I hope you are loving life and living it to its fullest. And if this is your first time, welcome aboard. I hope you are enjoying your life as well. This is the Homesteads and Homeschools podcast. I am your host, the Liberty Hippie, here with you for another week. This week we have a homeschooler queued up, ready ready to go. Uh, but before we get into that, like I said, thank you for, for coming back. Thank you for checking it out. Um, go ahead and leave a, a review on iTunes if you haven't. You can just go ahead and click some stars or actually type words. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it makes a difference in the algorithm, but uh, everybody tells me it does, so so go do that. My guest today is a... Uh, she was homeschooled all the way through K-12. to She's an adult now, and uh, we talked about her experience as a as a homeschooled student. We uh, got into some of those things that I think, as a as a homeschool parent, as someone that uh, is is thinking about maybe getting into homeschooling, um, there's always always fears, right? Always uh, reasons that we we sit back on and say, "Well, this is this is why uh, homeschooling isn't going to work for me. This is this is why homeschooling won't won't work for my child." Um, hopefully, we we hit some of those topics and and kind of kind of swash some of those fears that you may have, and really encourage you to to give it a shot. Listen in, check it out, and uh, let me know what you think. All right, so let's uh, let's go plant those liberty seeds with my guest, Miss Beth Clark. So my guest today is uh, Miss Beth Clark. She's over there in Idaho. Um, I've got to hit buttons, so we're, we're starting over again. So uh, Beth, welcome to the show. Thanks for, for coming on. I, I appreciate you doing this again. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate you reaching out to me. So I'm just looking forward to this. Yeah, not a problem. So um, you're homeschooled. Um, got into a little bit before I realized what happened. Um, so you were you're homeschooled the, the whole way through? all 12 grades or whatever yep yep um idaho is actually a pretty good state for that um and you actually have to be careful when you're homeschooling in idaho uh because of the way the laws are set up um you have to make sure that you are truly homeschooling and not using an online charter school because if you're using an online charter school you actually are held to the same requirements legally as you would if you were going to public school um as far as having to take all the tests government interfering with your life and your choices, all that fun stuff. Um, and so we truly did more what was along the lines of unschooling, or as my mom put it, uh, she raised us by benign neglect. Um, <laughs> so, I like that. Yeah, it, it worked out well. Um, we mostly just always had a lot of books in the house. And 
Uh, we were allowed to learn at our own pace, pursue subjects as we wished, and it's made us some pretty weird, quirky people. So I think I think it's worth. It. Rather, rather be a little weird and, and quirky than just you know, run of the mill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> general, but uh, you. I know you mentioned you had uh, siblings. Did did they go to public school at all? Uh, did we, none of you were. Yeah, all of us. All of us have been homeschooled, um, and it's it's been interesting mostly to see. Uh, how each child learns differently. Um, I was learning to read and was able to read at five or six, um, but my brother didn't learn to read until he was about 10. When he did learn to read, he was competent within a year and was right up to or above his grade level within that year. So it's kids learn things at different paces. I've struggled with math. My brother had a natural knack for it. So it's it's been interesting to see how truly uh, learning is not a one size fits all thing. Yeah. And, and that's what is like so big about it. You know, it, it, like you think about a little, a little kid in kindergarten being forced to try to read and they just, they're not there yet developmentally and, and they have to, and what kind of distaste for reading that, that instills on them for the rest of their life. And, and it's there and it's just, it's tough. It's tough. And, and you see some of that when you're able to homeschool and you're able to kind of look at them and Okay, this this is not what they're so good at. We're gonna take it slower on this, but you know they they excel at that. Um, yeah, and they do. I think they uh, you seem to catch up for the most part. Honestly, yeah. um, you know most most kids. I can't say all. There's always gonna be outliers, but um, most kids when allowed to learn, when allowed to enjoy learning and seek it independently, um, have a passion for it their entire lives. Um, I <laughs> it's actually kind of fun because. You go through a weird transition when you're a homeschooler, um, especially when you're kind of into words. When I was about 13 or so, I used words that were too big for myself. I used weird terms. I referenced odd bits of science. And so people always assumed I was maybe more intelligent than I was. And I was truly that weird homeschooler. And as you get older, as you get into your 20s, <laughs> people cut you a little more slack. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's not as noticeable. Um, still stick out a little bit awkwardly sometimes weird thing my mom actually um one thing that actually worked really well with us being homeschooled is she ran a at-home business she's actually a historian and uh, designs patterns and all sorts of cool stuff like that and so I actually learned to answer phones for a business from a very young age and so <laughs> and that's actually proved very useful my entire life uh, one job I was taking phone calls um at a funeral home to help pick up dead people. So that was exciting. <laughs> um, and I've worked several office type places and now I'm at a hardware store. And so lots of phone answering and it's proved very useful. I didn't realize that was a skill some people didn't have. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I tell you now, even as an adult, I have to make some phone calls for, for stuff that I do. And it's, it can be unnerving. You know, it's one of those things that like, and to have the the proper etiquette and to be confident on the phone sometimes is just you know a nightmare. It's di it's, it's difficult for me, and uh, you know, like yeah, you figure those things out. Like I'm good at this. You learn things. You learn how to talk to people. It's it's, it's interesting, you know, because everybody talks about how unsocialized homeschoolers are and the whole nine yards. And here you go. Well, and that's honestly, I think that's a big misconception or misunderstanding, um, because thought that homeschools are, are unsocialized is that we socialize differently um, because obviously with public school grades are kept children of the same age are kept together um, they're kept in rooms together they're only really allowed to talk small segments of the day they don't they get a very narrow experience socially speaking um, so while other kids were in school my family was visiting history museums or 
markets or Scottish festivals or any number of odd places. And so we really got to talk to a broad range of people. And it's, it's interesting to get to do that. Not a lot of kids get to do that. And I'm, I'm sad for that, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. You think about the amount of, who knows whether that's was, you know, going to, to museums and stuff is actually usable, but it's, it's like real life. That's real life stuff. You know, um, sitting down in a classroom, learning out of a book, sometimes what's, what's, I would say not real, but you know, things that aren't really that pertinent kind of throws you, you know, it's like, wait a minute, I could, I could be out doing that. And that's, that's one of the things that we've started to do a little bit more of try to work some of those, you know, call them field trips, but you know, get involved with those sort of things and then yeah. use, use what's available. Uh, I think it'll be really interesting coming out of the pandemic that is COVID-19, um, seeing what happens with public schooling, just because I've run into a pretty even split of parents, um, ones that who are so excited they didn't even know this was an option. And so now they're actually looking into all these resources that families in the community have been developing for years and they're just free online for people to use. And they're just now discovering these and they're like, guys, this stuff exists. No way. And we're like, yes, we've been. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I hope, I hope that, that there are a number of people that, that can see that and feel that. And I, and I've talked to a few that have, but then you have that other side that like, they're totally bought into the public school being sent home and this is what homeschooling is and this is awful. And, you know, I know a little girl that is just like falling apart at the seams because that's all she does all day now is she sits in front of the computer, watches the teacher, watches through YouTube, goes through Zoom. She has no real communication with her her friends. That interaction is not there. And it's like, this is, that's not homeschooling. That is not what this is like. A public school at home. And that's, that honestly has been a little bit frustrating. I try not to be very, very dated, but honestly, I am because I, I do. I see, I see a lot of folks online complaining about their kids, and this also makes me very sad when people complain about their children. Oh, I can't wait till they go back to school. I can't stand them. They're your children. You, you I know. Them. raise them to be people you like. <laughs> be involved. Lives. Yeah, you gotta. I wonder. I wonder how much of that, like, if you had your child home from the beginning, and then you know one parent was able to stay home, or you were able to to work it so that you know kids didn't have to go necessarily to daycare or or even get into school. They weren't in school. Would your child develop into someone that you would like? Is is school going off to all these places allow other people's influences enough that they turn your child into something that you don't? don't care for? Or is that just lazy parents that uh, don't like their kids? I don't Definitely know. an aspect of it. I would also say, honestly, that another big part of it is not even, it's not even the exposure to the difference, the different ways of doing things. I would even say it's more, they don't know their kids. They, they aren't used to having to socialize with them all day long. And so suddenly having to do that, they have no, they have no coping skills. I mean, just have to deal with it. So we, uh, we, we've, had to play a few more games of Monopoly um, than, than I would like having having my wife home from work and stuff, but we got through it. We got through it all right. My son loves Monopoly, and like you know, it's tough. It's tough because we 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 do it for him sometimes, and sometimes it's like man, we don't, we don't have half a day to like set aside and do this, and we'll take pictures of the board, you know, I mean, it's set up, write the money down, put it away. I'm like, oh god, you know, my my when I was a kid, we didn't have those you know, smartphones and all the fancy cameras and there was no way of telling what's going to happen. Dog walks by and 
game's over, but yeah, <laughs> we're, we're stuck. So you're, you grew up in Idaho then. You, you guys were schooled in Idaho. Um, did you – how was that um, when you got to like the sort of older grades, I guess, like high school and stuff? Did you guys kind of – Well, so – so it was a mix of things, honestly. Like, so it's a fairly, uh, population is pretty largely LDS uh, in the city I live in. And we ourselves are LDS, but we've always been a little more liberty leaning than a lot of the folks here. Um, and so we had some, we had some youth group and things like that uh, as we got into our team. But honestly, that that was kind of a struggle getting into those teen years and trying to do things with the rest of the group and they did things so differently or mm-hmm. they already had their groups and we weren't a part of that group. Um, and you know, there's a few, there's a few social things we were involved in. And so I'm not going to lie, like socially speaking, that was difficult if only because uh, there wasn't a very large homeschooling population in our immediate area. Um, and I think that was the, that was the roughest thing is you stick out like a sore truly are the weird unsocialized homeschoolers. Um, I did find out that some like high school is horrifying. I would not have survived straight up. I don't think I would have not with any sort of sanity intact. Um, as it is, I struggle a little bit with anxiety and there's some depression in the family, like some not so great stuff. And so, and some ADD. So you add that all together in a public school setting and hmm. I would not have done well at all. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is kind of you know pick your poison, right? I mean, there's there are kids that will go to public high school and thrive on that. That's you know they they thrive on all that. But there's kids too that that don't that won't that you know you they fall through the cracks and it's just and so yeah you know which which one do you want? Um, honestly, what I would love to see is uh, public school is going to continue to be a thing. I think it's really nifty to shift the way we look at schooling. Um, If you were to apply some unschooling ideas and methods to the public school sector, uh, decreased class sizes, mixed age classes, um, selective courses and selective subjects, um, giving people actual choice and freedom to explore, and cutting down almost completely on the number of standardized tests because those don't <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's wild when you like look at when you break up a school year and actually look at, you know, how much time goes into tests, preparing for tests, taking tests, like all that. It just it's it's mind-boggling, you know? And I mean, there's sort of tests in the the quote real world, but not like the ones that you take in school, you know? I mean, it's definitely not. So uh I guess, did you guys do, were you doing any like sports and stuff or was it your social group mostly just through youth group type stuff or? Mostly through youth group. Um, we didn't, <laughs> none of us are very sportsy. We're all pretty terrible at it. Um, I was actually kicked out of volleyball once I <laughs> hit adult ward stuff. So that was exciting because uh, apparently I'm too violent in volleyball. <laughs> I don't know how to hit it properly. So I punch it, which is not <laughs> um, So no, mostly like, Mostly it was it was mostly youth group stuff. Um, we did our best to kind of stretch and find friend groups, but it is it is admittedly very difficult to have any sort of a same age friend group um, when you're when you're homeschooled. If everyone else around you is public schooled, if only because they are at school so much of the day, there's no time left. I mean, 
the responsibilities placed on these kids are insane. They have to go to school and do work for hours and hours, and then they have to come home and repeat some of that work for several hours. Uh, many are still expected to get jobs, especially in lower income families. Um, and then there's family relations time. And so, and they have to get proper sleep and eat and, and then they don't have any time for literally anything else. I, I don't know. I, I truly like hats off to the kids who are doing it because that is a lot to deal with. It, it is. It's a, it's a heavy schedule and it's, it's becoming more heavy. And uh, it, it's curious. I think a, a lot of the socialization in, in public schools is moving more and everywhere, you know, is moving more online, you know, and, and I, I, I forget who it was. Somebody I know, I think maybe we go to church with them, I don't know, you know, found it, it was difficult for them to maintain friendships because they, they went into public school for a little bit and, and they didn't have a phone. Yeah. And they got, they got a phone, they got a phone, but then they didn't know what like all these apps were and they didn't, you know, all these kids are, are talking to each other on, I don't know, Snapchat or whatever. And kid had no idea like yeah. what, what, you know, and so th- that learning curve was there. And I think- Actually, I think it was somebody I talked to on the podcast, um, but th- I don't think they're. Yeah, he came out of public school after that for for a year. Um, yeah, that's what it was. They're so uh, they're missionaries over in in Ghana, and so they came back for a year, and that's that's what it was. That's what it was. Okay, but you know, and so there's there's that part of it, it too. Um, and I think to some degree, um, I, I don't know how old you are, but I think with the advent of you know the internet and Facebook and all that stuff, like our kids right now in terms of socialization and, and that sort of thing. We have like homeschool co-ops. Like there's there's a sizable group that and it's it's so much easier to find people now than, you know, before you could find people online, like random people that you would never ever meet in your life. Um, and now you can. And I'm I'm honestly very encouraged to see how many people are turning to homeschooling. And and yeah, it is so much easier with things like social media to find those groups locally. Um Nowadays, uh, in my city, there are homeschool co-ops. They're really expensive, so that's less than ideal. <laughs> but but they're, they do exist, which is really yeah. for the people who need that support. And I think, honestly, as more people turn to homeschooling, um, we'll actually see a few different kinds of co-ops emerge. Um, you've got your stereotypes with uh, homeschoolers. And the ones around here, <laughs> the ones around here tend to be very much kind of the, the, the Christian homeschooler, you know, the, the denim mm-hmm. jumpers and the, <laughs> the hair scrunchies and the, we don't say poop and fart. Uh, <laughs> so, and that's not all of them, but that's a lot of them. Um, but I know a lot of folks uh, even more nowadays who are a little bit more crunchy hippie and a, a little more left-leaning libertarian or whatever. And, um, and they're getting into the homeschooling and realizing that there isn't the same social network. Um, so I think it'll be nifty to see some of those people, some some of them friends of mine, build their own groups, build their own societies and communities. And that's that's kind of cool, honestly. I like that there's options nowadays. Yeah, I th- and that's the that's been really like fun to to see because that was one of our concerns, you know, when we decided to start homeschooling. You know, where where are we going to go to find these things? And I, one of my biggest things was was sports. I always did sports of some kind, soccer, running, rugby, whatever. I had something going on. Um, and that was always a big outlet for, for me personally. Um, and, you know, to think that my, my kid is going to get to like high school level and he's not going to be able to engage in that. It's kind of off-putting, but 
you, know, you, you see some of that stuff developing now, right? Like different camps, different clinics, different like rec leagues that homeschoolers can can participate in, and and all this stuff. And you, I think, as you see more people kind of come out, like you said, they're they have to they have to start developing communities, and it's going to be a, a fun thing to watch as it, as it grows, um, provided provided it's allowed to grow. Yes, yes. Well, if you're stubborn enough, that anything can grow. Just be a thistle, not a daisy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, how does that work for for you guys out there then, um, in terms of uh, regulations and stuff? I know you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um, yeah. Has that changed? Have you looked into it at all? Um, not a ton, honestly. It's stayed pretty stable. It's more just that people don't tend to check in on those laws. Um, for instance, in this area, we have actually a lot of at-home charter schools, and people think they're in that safe zone because they're homeschooling. But they're not because statute defined homeschooling is different. Um, and so, are those are, are those the public schools that like they're it's they call it a homeschool, but it's it's offered through the state, and essentially it's just kind of like homeschooling, like online, yeah, through the state. Like, yeah, okay, exactly. Right. Um, like a big one in this area is K twelve, um, and there there's a there's a few others across the country, but um, but yeah, it's honestly it's kind of a problem because people do conflate that with homeschooling but it is basically thing like you're talking about with that public schooling at home you're on a computer pretty much all day um you're not getting interaction even with the other siblings it's pretty limited actually um and you're still subject to the charter school's schedule you don't have that that freedom of movement and time that you would have creating your own scheduling curriculum yeah it's a uh, it's kind of misleading um, really, I, I saw it pop up here in Georgia, and I kind of looked at it. And I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." And I'm looking, and I'm reading, and I'm saying, "Wait, wait a minute! This is just like public school at home. What? What? Are you, why are you calling this homeschool? Like, what? What is that nonsense? Get out of here!" But uh, yeah, and I, I that's, that's too bad. That I mean, it makes sense that it falls under the same guidelines. I guess it just didn't uh, people get get caught. So yeah, what? What? Um, do you remember like why? Why you guys decided to homeschool, or what? Like where it was or who, I guess you, you had brothers and sisters. Who was the oldest? Were you the oldest? Yep. I'm the oldest. Um, and I'm actually almost mid twenties, not quite there, but almost. So I'm a baby. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, I'm the oldest. I was the experimental child basically. Um, but, uh, when I was a baby, um, we, we tell people that the reason we switched to homeschooling and decided to homeschool was that I was hellish in the mornings just cranky and they couldn't have me on the world um but the actual reason is um i our family has a history of very negative reactions to vaccines um and i was no exception um within and this happened several times it wasn't just like the first shot it was a couple shots in um after each shot i would spike high fevers and i would suffer febrile seizures um and we actually ended up going to a neurologist and he advised, especially based on our family history, you should not do this. And here are ways you can be responsible and also not do vaccines. Um, and so for us, that included homeschooling. It didn't feel remotely responsible to attend public to expose ourselves or the other kids. Just that cross-contamination is not a great idea. Um, so I grew up actually practicing like this pandemic has not been a huge shift, honestly. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, we grew up self-quarantining, we grew up washing hands constantly and not being around sick people. Like, oh, your child comes to the door and they have a cold. Guess what? We can't play today. Bye. Um, 
we didn't we didn't get to go play if we were sick. We know families in the area who would let their kids all play together, even if one of them was hacking and coughing. Um, that's that's just stupid. <laughs> so so that was the big exciting factor um, for my parents is making sure that we were being safe and responsible and um, doing the best thing for our family. Yeah, it's a uh, it is it's, it's wild the vaccines and the vaccine schedules and you know, wherever you fall on it, um, you know, whatever. But when we were in Vermont, you know, our first son was born and just the, the, the stuff that they wanted to give him, the the number of shots. And we're like, wait a minute, let's, let's, can we like slow down here? We we don't need to do all, you know? And uh, so we, you know, we gave him, we, he, he's vaccinated now. He did all this stuff, but like, we drew it out as as long as we possibly could. And the doctor was very, you know, and then we ended up sending him to kindergarten and, um, you know, he had to kind of get up to date for, for that. You know, we didn't see any, any negative side effects, you know, directly. And many people don't, which is great. Like, so just to, just to clarify, like, well, the reason I say this, okay. So a lot of times, especially when you're discussing this stuff online, you've got several yeah. different kinds of people in that group. You've got the ones who are like, Oh, you know, bleach enemas will cure autism and also vaccine. Yikes. No, holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm not in that group remotely and essential oils don't cure everything. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm a supporter of parental choice and medical liberty. So yeah. if you feel the vaccines are the best choice for your children, I support you in that decision. Um, I would love to see more accountability when it comes to vaccines. Um, I know that a lot of families see huge success with even delayed schedules. And that's wonderful. I'm so glad for that. Um, There's more and more research that they're developing actually for how to test for gene differences, the genes that are most likely to poorly react. Um, In fact, there's a gene, I can't remember the exact initials. (laughs) My mother calls it the mother effort gene, which sounds terrible. (laughs) But it's like the MTHFR. And there's vast swaths of the population, um, especially in... Uh, South America and in uh, the Native American population, like basically anyone who's not white is going to be more prone to poor reaction to vaccines. Hmm. And they're only just now getting into this, but it only takes uh, not even a poke. It takes a swab test to see if you have those gene markers. So I think as they develop that more, they'll be able to pinpoint what's going wrong. Um, And I think that there also needs to be a certain amount of changing how how the vaccine industry is treated because right now they don't Ugh. they don't have accountability they're not held remotely accountable and that that's one of my biggest issues honestly is the lack you know if, if your kid dies they don't have they're not affected by it at all and that that is me honestly like, that's not appropriate no it's um it is it's it's upsetting it's disturbing vaccine see the thing with vaccines like right like it just they might do some good, but like when you watch the progress over time and, and what we have, you know, where vaccines started and what that schedule looks like now, like we give people the vaccine for chicken pox and, and how many, how many kids ever died from chicken pox? You know, yeah. like it's, it's negligible, but now, you know, there's no wild chicken pox and now, you know, people have no natural immunity to, to shingles. Like, all this stuff, but you know what? We're going to look back in, in 20 years, 50 years, and it's going to be so ingrained that, oh no, chicken pox was this awful, horrible disease that, yeah. you know, we thank vaccines because, you know, and it's just, and you got to wonder how many things were like that, you know, how many other diseases are, are like that, um, 
that uh it's kind of interesting because actually um so like i mentioned my mother's a historian and i am not going to claim to know anywhere near as much as her because she has her field of study man um but it's actually interesting so one of the earliest forms of vaccination or inoculation um that we have clear evidence of i think was in the 1600s uh they discovered that um dairy maids who got cowpox were not getting smallpox uh cowpox is a very very mild sickness i mean it's super mild lighter than a light cold um and so they realized hey they're not getting this horrible killing disease and so they would literally take the pox the scabs cut open a little hole on your skin and stick the scab on and purposefully infect yourself because then you wouldn't get smallpox um obviously hygiene also helps a ton um in the 20th century we saw a huge and immediate decreases in things like polio if only because uh clean drinking water and proper sewage became the norm it started to become normal and since polio is literally caused by ingesting fecal matter from contaminated water like it's not something that just randomly happens there were reasons it happened in low-income areas yeah yeah it's it's um it's wild. It's wild to, to look at. And I guess that's, you know, what happens when, when industry gets ingrained with government mandates. I don't, you know, but, um, <laughs> and I, I always, I always fall off and I'll try to try to move along as this, you know, um, I always wonder, right? Like when we're, cause when you get like chicken pox, right. And any of these things and your body fights it off, you still have some of that, like in your system, you know, you have that, the, um, natural immunity that you, when you remove it completely, I'm just not convinced that we know that there's not some other symbiotic relationship going on in the body that like, you know, you move all these things out of the way and then it makes more room for some other disease or sickness. I, I don't know. That's my uh, yeah. oh, no, I t- wild, crazy tin, tinfoil hat. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm totally there with you. Um, I remember, well, I don't remember, but my mother told me I, even when I was very young um, and this was before, like in their small town in Oregon, because I was born in Oregon, um, they hadn't gotten the chicken pox vaccines into town yet. And some of the kids were getting it in our church group. And so they're like, well, we're getting all the kids together. We're swapping binkies. We're licking each other. Like it's a mess. And so everyone got exposed all at once so that there wouldn't be any repetition. There wouldn't be any continued awfulness. Um, and it worked out really well, actually. Uh, my mom says that I was fussy for a couple of days, but I never actually suffered symptoms yeah and i was swapping binkies with the best of them <laughs> <laughs> good deal good deal so um all right what uh are your siblings out of out of school then are they the youngest ones are they still in one of them is um so my younger brother uh he's out and he's actually now a welder um he's in a town just a little ways from us um and he's actually working i think it's they actually do government contracts and stuff. And so he's, he's loving getting to do welding. It's, it's a fun thing for him and he has kind of a natural knack for it. So that's kind of awesome. Um, and then my younger sisters are still well, at this point, my youngest would be in junior high and my middleest would be in uh, high school. So they're, they're right, right in that awkward age and they're discovering all the joys of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can, I can imagine it's uh you look back and there's there's fond memories, but then when you really think, you're like, oh man, I don't know if I do want to do that again. <laughs> so you and you've got a couple a couple little ones coming up, and they're not quite school age necessarily. Are you thinking about sending them to school at all? Um, 
not especially when not while they're young um because again we're having to just with family history and everything mm-hmm. not able to do that and so especially i think after this we're going to see restrictions on vaccines and schooling tighten um and so it's just not going to be possible i don't think um so basically at this point the plan is to unschool them and then if they reach high school and it's still an option if they'd like to see about doing that i i'm open to them trying to do that I'll just also be ready to catch them if it doesn't work for any reason. Um, but no, it's the joy of unschooling is that there really isn't a schooling age. Um, so my two-year-old, I mean, he knows most of his colors. He he can talk about motors and batteries and he's a little tech head. And so it's um, he's learning about stories. He has this wonderful imagination and builds his own little world. And that's so cool to see because there really isn't, it's not like you just suddenly start learning. Children are already so equipped to learn just through play. Um, and so it's very exciting, actually. Even my one-year-old, he he's decided he loves books. So I think he's probably going to be my early reader. He just buh, 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 and waddle around, pick up all the books. And he wants to, he actually will sit there patiently while we turn the pages and read the story. Um, nice. So it's, it's interesting to see, and I'm already making some bets as to who's going to hit which milestones when. I'm seeing similar patterns to myself and my siblings, so it's kind of fun. Good deal. That's uh, that's nice. It's it's fun to see how they they grow and and shape and all their differences. And it's, it's when you, when you think about that, you know how much kids really learn through play, um, and how much play they don't do anymore. Uh, whether it's in school or even at home, it's kind of kind of sad. Yeah, that's honestly um, something that I'm pulling back on hugely, especially with my two year old. Is that um, for a little while we were having huge issues with uh, it being very easy to put an iPad down with Netflix on. Mm-hmm. That's that's so that's so wrong for so many reasons, and so now that's not even an option. We don't have pads anymore so that makes it way easier to not allow that um and i'm also with the boys in a much better situation where they can go outside and play and honestly i think if my boys could live outside they would um and so just providing alternatives i think has been a really really good thing for us but it is so easy um especially we've got two little ones um it's very easy to rely on tech very very heavily and to just sort of pawn them off on a screen. Like I get it. I 100% get it. It's so much easier, but long-term it is much more difficult. We, uh, when, when my son was little, um, I think it was probably about, I think it was when my daughter was born. It's probably two and a half, three in there. And, you know, you put the, the YouTube on, you know, and, and he would watch Thomas the train stuff like that. And, uh, it, it did, we had to just stop because he just, I don't know how to explain it. His his whole demeanor would change. Um, and he just almost became grumpier and angrier and more temperamental. And I mean, he was already temperamental. He was, you know, <laughs> colicky and, yeah. you know, should have been an only child kind of kid, <laughs> you know? And so it's, it's, it's wild. It's, it's crazy. What can the tech kind of actually does? And I don't know what it does, but it, it, it does, does something. Yeah. I think it's human. Humans are built to move. Humans are built to do and, and to explore, um, we found that especially like especially with boys, but I get pretty cranky myself. They have to be outside. Like people in general have to be making sure that they're doing things and actually moving their bodies. And honestly, that helps so much. Um, my brother, 
he got real like basement dwelly and cranky and awful in his teen years. Um, and then we'd send him out to go mow lawn and he would chip her right up and he'd be telling yeah. jokes. And so it was it, like you said, night and day difference. It was crazy. And so it's, it's, people need to move. People need to be able to get outside and move their bodies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh... They certainly do. And it's, it's tough to do when you're being told that you, uh, will kill, kill grandma when you go outside, but, uh, it definitely, it, it helps. And I think, you know, just being, yeah, just keeps that positive mind frame. I think a lot, a lot easier to do. I uh, so. I, I'm honestly spoiled here just because like, I know it's so much worse on the East coast there and yeah. <laughs> I said less space if nothing else to a degree. And and I think the laws there and the restrictions socially are are worse right now, from what I've heard. Um, here, honestly, people are pretty lazy about it. And we do have a big backyard. We can go outside. We can't see grandma, but we can go outside and, and do things. And I, I realize how, how spoiled we are. And I, I can't, like, again, huge respect to all the people yeah. who are weathering this thing and they don't have that option. Yeah, I... Uh... We we lived in New York City for a couple of years before my son was born, and you know we're down here in Georgia in the middle of nowhere. And I think about that sometimes, like just being packed in a big old apartment building like that with you know your your outdoor space is the fire escape, and uh, that's it. And it's no wonder people are getting real sick, and it's real bad up there, you know. But all right, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, but uh, I don't know. Any, anything else you want to get out there? I don't know. I think, I think one of the biggest points of advocacy advocacy for homeschooling is that you're going to raise humans who don't conform easily. You're going to raise humans who are willing to explore and do different things differently and think outside the box because they don't see a box. And you have to be prepared to embrace that and help that to grow into a capable adult. And I think that as the years go by and as we see more homeschoolers and as we see more free spirits in general uh, growing up and getting to voting age, I think we're going to see some very positive changes across the country. At least I hope we will. I mean, certainly hope so. That, that's the hope. <laughs> so um, just basically be willing to step back and let your kids run. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Um, do you, you have anything you want to want to plug? I know you're over there on, on, <laughs> the Twitter, um, any, anything else, any place else? Yeah. Um, most, mostly Twitter. Um, I do a little bit on Facebook. If you're in Eastern Idaho and you're libertarian leaning, I run East Idaho libertarians on Facebook. It's a Facebook group. Check me out there. Um, aside from that, honestly, I mostly just yell at people on Twitter. <laughs> All right. So, so yeah, nothing, nothing too exciting. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Good deal. I'll, I'll, I'll throw those links in the show notes and uh, go go check that out. This is Beth Clark over there in Idaho. If you are curious to see what she's about or or hit her up and, and learn some more um, links in the in the show notes, homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 073, because this is episode number 73. How about that? Amazing. Anyway, guys, uh, thank you. Thank you for checking it out, sticking through. Um, 
If you haven't already, go go get yourself in the Discord. Send me a tweet at HS and HSPod, uh, Gmail, homesteads and homeschools at gmail.com. Go check the show notes. I think there's a link in there, though it's probably expired. Anyway, do what you can to to get in there because it's a fun little group and it uh, it's growing. You know, um, there's all sorts of information in there, all sorts of people that know all sorts of things that you can figure things out with, and it's it's fun. You know, it's a fun group of of like minded individuals. So if you go to Amazon, if you use Amazon, go to homesteadsandhomeschools.com/slash/amazon, click through the affiliate link, and uh, help me out a little bit. Or uh, sign up at Patreon, patreon.com slash the Liberty Hippie, and uh, you get some some bonus content a little bit here and there. There was a little bit of extra that I, I trimmed off with Beth that um, I will put back there for you all to check out and listen to. And come back next week. My, my guest next week, um, we're going to be talking about bees, buzzy, buzzy bees. Um, and I think it was a it was a great conversation, and uh, there's a lot of information in it to just to mull over and think about. It. And I encourage you all to come back next week, because why wouldn't I, guys? I, I appreciate all that you do coming here, checking in, sharing the show around, and uh, interacting because uh, it's always always fun. So, just a reminder: get out there, sow those seeds of liberty. We can all reap sheaves of freedom together.